And again, welcome to all of you. And uh, this, uh, this morning we are going to continue the study that we have been doing uh, throughout the season of Lent on the Beatitudes. Um, and uh, the, uh, so our beginning, it, it, it's favorful, living the fullness of God's favor. And um, I'm getting a little uh, feedback up here, so thank you so much. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and once again, we are going to read through the Beatitudes as we prepare our hearts for receiving the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we just ask again this morning that you would come And out of the fullness of who you are, we pray that you would speak into our lives. Lord, the fullness of who you are. God, come with all of that into the emptiness of our heart and soul today. And come with a transforming word. We recognize that, Lord, once the veils are taken away, and, Lord, we are transformed and we see you as you are and you see us as we are and we become transformed more and more into your likeness. And that is our prayer and desire, Lord. God, that we would be transformed by your grace and by your goodness. So come, Lord, speak to us here this morning now. Lord God, we need you. Oh, do we need you. Can we just open our hands? Lord, we need you. Come on, we need you, Lord. Come on, we need you, Lord. Speak to us today. Speak to us today. Lord, speak to us, we pray. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now that you're oriented in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to take you back for just a moment into Matthew chapter 4 to, to remind us of some context here. Um, this, the Beatitudes, uh, you know, they didn't kind of fall out of heaven, uh, you know, with, with no context whatsoever. They are found in the Gospel of Matthew. And um, the Gospel of Matthew has a particular focus to it, as do each of the Gospels. Each of the four Gospels are like facets of a diamond. They, they see, we, we, we understand and see more deeply the fullness of the Gospel when we look through the lens of the four different Gospels. And so we're in the midst of a study of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and the, the, the overarching title for this Gospel is, Behold Your King. And Matthew has a particular focus on the kingship of Jesus and upon the kingdom of God, or as he uses the terminology in his particular gospel, the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 4, if you just back up from where you were in Matthew 5, go to verse 13 for a moment. It says, leaving Nazareth, he, that is Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, 
There's a particular, you know, we read through that and it's a bunch of names and it's a bunch of places that you've, uh, you've never seen unless you're really, um, you know, uh, intent on study and kind of go into a, uh, kind of a, a Bible atlas and you look where those cities are located. But let me just remind you that um, this was a very intentional move on Jesus' part because it placed him right in the center. It was sort of the multicultural center of Israel. It was the place where a lot of people and people groups came together. It was the place where there would be maximum impact for the gospel message going out to the maximum number of different people and people groups, and specifically would position it to move. Because now, again, interesting, the Gospel of Matthew, of course, the focus is primarily towards Jewish believers, but even here, embedded in the Gospel of Matthew, you see the Gospel beginning to cross across cultural, ethnic boundaries and going to the Gentiles as well. And it says about them here, going on now, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. All right? So this is a kind of coming out of Isaiah, okay? It's giving, giving scriptural background from Isaiah chapter 9. From that time on, and I don't have time to go into this this morning. Let me just give you a, a quick note, though. Go to Ma- uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and read verses 1 to 7 that really reveal more fully Jesus and the kingdom of God, all right? From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then from that point on, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of God is the number one priority of Jesus' teaching. He talks about the kingdom of God more than he talks about anything else whatsoever, all right? So, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So here's a takeaway that I want you to grab hold of here this morning. Into the darkness, disorientation and disintegration. Now, I've used those terms very specifically, okay? Darkness coming right out of that scripture and also the disorientation that comes with darkness and disintegration, the fragmentation that happens in a dying world. Jesus announces the arrival of the kingdom of God. And allegiance to this kingdom in the place of darkness brings light, in the place of disorientation brings reorientation, in the place of disintegration brings integration, resulting in life to the full. John 10.10, the enemy has come to, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, and what? Life to the full or life abundant. Okay? So Jesus is announcing a kingdom that has come. And he's saying, if you will pledge allegiance to this kingdom, you will move out of darkness into light, out of disorientation into reorientation, out of disintegration into integration, out of death into life. This is the promise of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. When we pledge allegiance to our king. Okay, so I want to make sure that we understand the Beatitudes when Jesus comes now and begins to to teach the Beatitudes, you know, and says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, theirs is the kingdom of God. 
to those who are poor in spirit. So, so right away in the Beatitudes, he's orienting us, he's reorienting us around those characteristics, those qualities, those beings that we all have that, that, that as human beings, the, the place of being that will enable us to walk in the fullness of this kingdom that he is announcing. So that's where we need to understand the Beatitudes. Now, again, just to remind you, uh, blessed comes from the Greek word makarios, which we don't have a, a, a great English translation for. Um, we've, you know, other translations might use happy or fortunate or blissful. Perhaps the best is actually comes out of the Spanish, um, bienaventurado, which really simply means this, congratulations, you're on the right road, you're going to make it. I love that. So when Jesus blessed, he says, congratulations, you're on the right road. You're poor in spirit now, you're going to make it. Blessed are you. You're on the right road. Congratulations. You're going to make it. So the Beatitudes reveal, get this takeaway here, the Beatitudes reveal the upside-down, inside-out nature of God's kingdom. And we receive this favor, this, this blessedness from God, not by following rules and rituals, but through relationship with the King Jesus. So remember, Jesus isn't here uh, creating a, a new list of legalisms. He's not creating, he's, he's creating, uh, he, he's, he's blowing open into our hearts and souls what the result is when we have relationship with him. It comes through fixing our eyes on him. You can't fix it yourself. We try to fix our lives or we try to do a temporary fix to put a band-aid over our lives when the only fix we really have is to fix our eyes on Him. And that creates the transformation that turns us upside down. It's like we've been walking on our hands with our face in the dirt and suddenly turns us upside down and we go, oh. And it's in, we've, we've been trying so hard to do it from the outside We've been trying so hard to be good. And he says, well, I'm going to do this from the inside out. We're going to talk a lot more about that when we get to the Sermon on the Mount, which will begin on Easter Sunday and beyond, all right? So, now, we noticed uh, as we've been studying the Beatitudes that the first four Beatitudes focus on our utter dependence on God, and the next four Beatitudes focus on the outworking of that dependence. So really they can be paired up here. So uh, according to need and action, we need poorness of spirit, which results in our being merciful. We need to mourn even over our sin, which, which um, results in purity of heart. We are meek, and as we are meek, we find ourselves becoming peacemakers. As we hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says, blessed are the righteous, they will be experience persecution. Blessed are you when you experience persecution. 
because that flows naturally out of righteousness. So there's, each of these are sort of paired up. So this morning, we're going to be studying peacemakers. So if you want to go back, I would encourage you to go back to Pastor Ben's sermon a few weeks ago on Blessed Are the Meek. It was a beautiful message that he gave, which really set us up for the peacemaking. So you can always go to the website. We're in the back. Uh, on the back table, there are CDs and uh, PowerPoints. For those that use PowerPoint, uh, and those, the sermons that have PowerPoints, there will be PowerPoint back there uh, around that. And I would encourage you to grab hold of, particularly as it connects with this one, if you want to connect to that to get more foundation, go back and look at Blessed Are the Meek. All right? So this morning, we're looking and focusing on Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. They will be called children of God. All right, let's unpack this. First of all, we need to understand what peace is. Peace comes from the Greek word irene or the Hebrew word shalom. It is much more vibrant and vital and robust than what we often think about peace. Because we think of peace as often simply the absence of conflict. But rather, the peace that Jesus is describing here, the peace that the Bible talks about, is not simply the absence of, of conflict. It is the presence of harmony and wholeness. It's the presence of harmony and wholeness. It's not simply an absence. It's a presence. Okay? Do you get that? So we, I, I don't have time this morning to unpack shalom a lot more. There's just so many things that we could look at as it relates to shalom. And I would encourage you to do a biblical study of the Hebrew word, particularly the Hebrew word shalom. It is incredibly, incredibly rich. All right? Now, maker is not as... as uh, as Andrew and, and Sarah, two of our elders here, have introduced us to, uh, I think last year when we were talking about growing and maturity, um, the term peace faker. Peacemakers are not peace fakers. I've been a peace faker. In fact, I'm a recovering peace faker, okay? I truly am. I'm a recovering peace faker, okay? I'm one of those guys, when I see conflict, I start running the other direction as quickly as possible, okay? But I'm learning. Because I'm learning that peacemaking is not passive acceptance of, of the way things are. Either because we're apathetic or afraid. Let's be honest. Because we're apathetic or afraid about the trouble of doing something to, begin, to bring change. It is the active facing of things, even when the way to peace is through challenge and struggle. Ooh, really? It got really quiet. Okay, that's good. All right. Even, you know, we use the word peacekeeper, it's deeper than peacekeeper. Peacemaker is deeper than peacekeeper. You know, peace faking, peacekeeping, but we need to move over into peacemaking. Okay. You following? Peacemaking. It is not the passive acceptance of the way things are because we're apathetic or afraid. an active choice, intentionality on our part to enter in 
even into the struggle and challenge of moving towards peace. True peace. True harmony and wholeness. Because there's not harmony and wholeness when you keep spaking. There's still a whole lot of dissonance, right? Come on. Any of you have any relationships at all in your life? Okay. Hello. Anybody look around the world and see things happen? All right. So, here's some scriptures just to kind of um, challenge us, provoke us. You know, the Bible says spur one another on. Well, let the Bible spur you on right now this morning. Okay, I want to spur you on with some scriptures. It says, turn from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. That means I can't, if I, because I know the scripture and because I know the biblical mandates now, I no longer actually have the choice, if, I'm a lead, if my allegiance is to the king, I no longer have the choice to run away from conflict. I have to actually pursue peace. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what it is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. But the other person doesn't want... As far as it depends on you. We spend a lot of time taking ourselves off the hook by pointing the finger at the other person or the other people or the other situations. Right? Come on. Let's be honest. I'm not talking at you. I'm talking I'm with you because this is what I've done. All right? So let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Make every effort. Woo. You mean it requires effort? Yes, it requires effort. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap the harvest of righteousness. Do you want that righteousness? you want to reap your hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, start sowing some peace. What do you sow? What do you... Ooh, now, Pastor, be careful. What are you sowing in your marriage? Mm. What are you sowing to your parents, kids? What are you sowing to your kids, parents? What are you sowing to your brothers? What are you sowing at work? What are you sowing in your neighborhood? What are you sowing out there in the world? What are you sowing? Come on, people. What are you sowing? What are we sowing? Now, that peace, I mean, you know, again, this is peacemaking, so that doesn't mean you're just, you know, mamby-pamby, you know, but you're, you're pursuing peace. You're, what are you sowing? Are you diligently working towards? Are you making every effort towards this peace? And sometimes it means discomfort. On the front end, right? means discomfort on the front end to get to the place of shalom on the other end. All right? Mm-mm-mm. All right. Let me come back and remind you what I shared a couple weeks ago. I really felt, and I continue to feel, like the Lord is taking his plumb line with the sharpened plumb bob. At the end, thank you, those of you that are, but that's sharp, and he's, he's working it through our soul. 
living double-edged sword of the Spirit is coming and cutting and exposing those places in us. So even this morning, in my own heart and in our hearts, he's just exposing, not because he wants to destroy us, but he wants us to have life to the full. Here's how you're going to have life to the full. Be a peacemaker. All right. So here's some principles. These are pretty simple. We're going to talk about principles and practices, and then we're going to be running to the end, okay? So principles. Principle one, it is God-initiated. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you think there was struggle involved in making peace? You bet there was. Do you think there was pain? You absolutely. It was his blood. It was the blood of Jesus on the cross. That was God initiating making peace with us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's put it, uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, for he himself is our... He himself is our what? He himself is our what? He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus, say it with me, making and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Here it is again. So what we need to understand is here that true peace, this shalom, this irene, flows from the wellspring of the heart of God who is the God of peace. And I've got several scriptural references that you can look up there that literally use the term the God of peace. He initiated his peace plan when he sent us the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That was his, you know, that's the peace plan that Jesus had for us. It was his son, Jesus, and his son's death on the cross and breaking down this dividing wall of hostility between us and him and between us and one another. That's the beauty of the cross. It goes vertical and horizontal. He came to make the two one. He came to break down the barriers between the Jew and the Gentile. He came to break down the barriers between people. And, but that, those are broken because of the breaking of the barrier between us and God. So wherever we go, when I'm in Congo and when I go to Kenya or I go to India or I go to Malaysia or I go to Indonesia or Haiti or wherever it is that I go, I find family there because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because we've been reconciled. We're one. We're together. The dividing walls of hostility are gone. We may not speak the same language, eat the same food, wear the same clothes, look the same externally, but we are in Christ. His peace has made the way for us to be family. All right. So it is God-initiated. It's also body of Christ activated. So here's where you and I get to participate. This is where Jesus is talking. Blessed are the peacemakers. He is the peacemaker who then blesses those who join him and cooperate with him in the work that he is doing in reconciling all things to himself. All right? So as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, um, in fact, 
we're going to go there for just a moment. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 because I want to give you just even a bit more context to the scripture that's up on the screen. So we're going to back up. We're going to read a little bit more, more than we can just put up on a slide easily. Starting in verse 11, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it's for your, the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, listen to this, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And now we're up on the screen, so if you're following along here, you can join us. All of this from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making this appeal through us, his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors. This is kingdom language, people. You are an ambassador of the king, of the kingdom of God, sent with a message, the message of reconciliation, that we can be right with God and we can be right with one another, that there really truly is a peace, a shalom that is available And we are activating that. We are living that out. We are to be a living demonstration. I mean, this body is a call to be a house of prayer for all nations. We have a prophetic call here at Bethel Christian Fellowship to actually be a a, a space in the middle of a, a dying, dark disoriented, disintegrating world. We're we're to be a prophetic witness that it actually can look different. Not some sort of, sort of, uh, you know, let's just all hold hands and like each other and, you know, hands across America and we're all, you know, it's all, we are the world and it's just beautiful and all, you know, whatever. That's not true peace. That's peace faking. So much of, sorry, I'm not, this isn't as much a political statement as it is a prophetic statement, but let me just say this, a lot of multicultural stuff out is, is, is really just peace faking because it doesn't actually get at heart stuff. It doesn't really get at the issue of inside out and upside down and transformation. I mean, there, this only happens through the cross of Jesus. He's the only one that can actually, actually bring true peace, all right? So as ambassadors through us, his ambassadors, true peace is extended into the world reconciling both people and systems to the king, Jesus. Both people and systems. It's it's both on a personal level, but it's also on a systemic level. God, Jesus Jesus is after the whole enchilada. He wants to bring transformation and change to your workplace, to your school, to your neighborhood, and to the people there, all right? 
from the wellspring of his heart, the flow of peace is activated in and through the heart of his people. Okay? So you're, you're still with me? This is so the ambassador, it's, it's God-initiated and it's body of Christ activated. So here's some practice. We get to practice this peacemaking. And so I want to give you three simple things to think about, and we're coming to the close. All right? So here's, here's number one. Well, sorry, they're embedded under two things. So, so first of all, receive, okay? So I'll get to the three things in a moment. Sorry. I didn't mean to confuse you. All right. So receive is the first thing. If you're going to practice being a peacemaker, first you have to receive. Now may, I love this, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, there's the God of peace again, okay? The God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. You can't do this peacemaking out of your own strength. You need the equipping from the great shepherd of the sheep. (laughs) From the God of peace, you need to be equipped to be a peacemaker. Because let me tell you, you go out there and try to do that on your own? I love the story, and you met them again recently, Arthur and Molly Rauner and I'd hoped that Todd and Mary would be able to be here with us today from the Pilgrim Center for Peace and Reconciliation. Love them. But, you know, their, their, their experience when God called them, when God called Dr. Rauner and his wife, Molly, at the age of 65, after he retired from 35 years at Colonial Church of Edina doing a marvelous work, and God said, you know, I want you to go to Africa, I want you to go to Rwanda and begin to bring a message of peace. And here they were, and in their own description, these are, it's an old white couple going to Rwanda after the genocide to bring peace. And they were like, what on earth are you calling us to do? Who are we? But they had received, God equipped them incredibly. And they've had an incredible impact now for 20 years. Because they were equipped by, you know, again, the great prayer... Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Great place to start. All right, so, which gives us now, gets us, oh, sorry. We cannot give what we don't have. You know the old bumper sticker? Sorry, it's a cliche, but it's actually true. No Jesus, N-O Jesus, N-O, no peace. K-N-O-W, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. No Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. So if you're here this morning and life is kind of kind of a scramble and you're weary of trying to do it on your own, there's an encouragement to you today. No Jesus and no peace. All right? And then release. All right? Here's the three things that I want us to, and they will all, interestingly enough, begin with the same letter. Okay. So, the first is listen. As the old saying goes, you've been given two ears and one mouth, all right? There's a reason for that. 
James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you want to be a peacemaker, the best place to start is by opening up your ears and starting to listen. Another way to put this, seek first to understand people in situations before seeking to be understood. We almost always enter into every conversation wanting first to be understood. But I tell you, if you will turn that inside out, that's the upside down of the kingdom, and you will actually seek to understand before being understood, you will be miles on the road towards being a peacemaker simply by opening up your ears. Look. We just read it from Ephesians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This is, uh, this is a discipline that I'm trying to learn, and that is, is you know, we, we look up, because of our experiences, because of a lot of different stuff, the way we've been socialized, our backgrounds, all of those kinds of things, we look at situations and we immediately begin to make judgments based on some internal unconscious set of criteria and worldview that we've got. But actually, we need to start to put on a new set of glasses. We need the lens of the Spirit, and we need to observe people and situations through the eyes of the King and the kingdom. That means I can't make snap judgments about things. I can't look at situations the same way that I used to look at them. I need to observe them now. I need to ask the Lord. I need to, you know, I need to read my newspaper. I need to look at the news. I need to to look at my neighbor, I need to look at my coworker. I need to look at my spouse, I need to look at my kid through some new eyes. <laughs> Getting quiet again. All right. But isn't this true? This is a huge part of the reason we have these enormous gulfs in our country. You know, the cultural divides, the racial divides, the generational divides, the gender divide. I mean, you know, it's because, because we haven't done the hard work of listening and trying to understand and looking and trying to see things differently. And maybe differently than, and having our preconceived notions challenged. Come on, somebody say preach it, Pastor. <laughs> Come on. It's hard work. This is not easy. Peacemaking isn't easy. Make every effort. And then we're called to love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Instead of being tossed and and, and waves and winds, you know, instead of being infants and still never growing up. I mean, that's what the context of Ephesians 5. Instead of staying immature, you're going to actually grow up and begin to learn how to speak the truth in love. I, I went back and actually went to the sermon notes of a, a message that Sarah preached last year in Lent around growing maturity, and she made a statement that was just fantastic. So I, I credit this next sentence to, to Sarah. Speak into people, she didn't say this part, but the last part, okay? Speaking to people in situations from the heart and mind of the king 
remembering, and here's the statement she made, that love is not love without truth, and truth is not truth without love. I love that. I, I really like the way that that's framed. Love is not love without truth. So the loving thing sometimes is painful. To speak the truth in love sometimes cuts against, and that's where we're going to get to the persecution next week because sometimes the church takes stands that are going, you know, so everybody's running this direction. That doesn't mean that that's the way the king is running. Sometimes he calls us to stand in loving truth against a tide that's moving against biblical truth. So you may think you're being loving, but if, you were, if, if it's not rooted in truth, it's not love. Okay? But the opposite is also the case, or not the opposite, but the corollary is also equally true. You can be absolutely right and absolutely true. You can, be, you can be standing on absolute biblical truth and be wrong <laughs> if it is not flowing out of a heart and a wellspring of his love. So I see the church doing both of those, falling into both of those ditches. Much of the church is thinking they're being loving, but they've been abandoning the truth and they're simply following the you know, the waves of doctrine and the, the stuff that's the, the world's flow, right? But a whole other part of the church has been standing, holding on to truth and, and proclaiming, and they've got, we've got the placards up, and we're, you know, what? but there's no love. Peacemaking requires truth and love, and it's a, it's a, it's a developed, growing, God equip us, right? <laughs> help us. Help us, Lord. That's a, help us, Jesus. That's a good prayer right there, all right? Okay. So the promise, okay? So we've got the practice, the, the principles. It's God initiated, body of Christ activated, the practice of listening, looking, and loving, and then we have the promise, which is that we'll be called the children of God. And the word called is very strong. It actually means owned. God owns us as his own. Like he pulls out his wallet with his, with his long, you know, I don't have one of those. I need to get one so I could show you more of my grandchildren. But um, one of those picture things in the wallet, and he pulls it out, and he, you know, and he show, and says, this is mine. This is my kid. Romans 8, 14 to 17, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies, himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. If we're children, then we're heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this. As we are led by the Spirit of God to be peacemakers, we reflect his character and are known to be his children. This is how people begin to discover, well, this is, these are, these are children of God. 
Jesus said the world will judge you or know you by your love for one another. Worship team, come on up. So the question I have for us this morning is simply this. Where is God calling us to be peacemakers? And maybe the corollary question that we need to ask ourselves this morning, the, maybe the harder spiritual direction question we need to ask ourselves is, God, would you, by your grace, reveal to us where we have been peace faking? He's, Lord, we want to be peacemakers, not peace fakers. We're so grateful for the cross. And that you've reconciled us to yourself and to one another, and we want to live that out in fullness so that we would be known as the children of God. Wouldn't that be good? If the world looked at the church and didn't say, oh man, look at those, you know, hypocrites, and blah, 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 you know, whatever, all that, blah, 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 you know. But wow, they reflect. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean they're always going to agree because we're going to get to persecution next week. I mean, you know, the world's not always going to get it. But we'll be known, at least we'll be known, we'll for sure be known in heaven as children of God. That's the, that's the more important thing than what the world thinks about us. is what he thinks of us, right? So can we stand together and we're going to sing a prayer as we close and then I'll give a benediction. And if you want to come to the altar, you can. Altar's open. If the Lord has just touched something in your spirit this morning, if we could just remain present just through the singing of this simple hymn, and then we're going to, um, I'll give a benediction and close. But if you want to come and pray, the Lord's just prompted something in your heart. If maybe you need peace with God today, come. These folks right down front here would love to pray with you. Any of the people right here in the front row, if you need to come to Christ today, if you want to come and know Jesus, come. If you just want to come to the altar, come now. Here we go. With hands together, I'm going to ask Pastor Lidovic, my friend and co-laborer of 20 years, to pray the benediction blessing over us this morning. So just... With hands together and hearts open to God, receive the blessing of the Lord. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the inspired word today. A living and sharpening word. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us receive this word of peace and bring that peace to the world that really need your peace. Father, thank you as we're going to leave this place, Father God. We ask you, Father God, let the Holy Spirit be the leader who train us into that peace that we receive today father god and jesus thank you for you are our peace now let's receive may the god the father the god who love us the god who sent his peace to us may jesus 
the only true peace rests live in us from this place to the place that you send us Jesus to go to preach the good news the news of peace the news of reconciliation as your ambassador may that peace reign in our heart from this day on unto the day you come back go in the name of Jesus amen